Today I want to talk about another promise of Scripture. Decided to kind of change things up. I was going to jump into a series on the promises of God's love for us and go through the, the ways that God loves us. Uh, but I decided because we're kind of um, on and off and we have the family day in the park where we actually, you should know this, we don't hold service on that Sunday because we're doing service in the park, okay? So everybody goes to the park. We worship over at the park. We put our worship band on stage so we can blast it throughout the whole program, and, and that's a lot of fun. But that particular Sunday, we do not hold service here, okay? That will be the 18th of August, so that's coming up. So rather than kind of break my series up, I decided I would do a, a few different things. And uh, this morning, I'm going to tackle the subject of the promise of strength. You know, a strong person works out every day to keep their body in shape. But a person of strength kneels in prayer to keep their soul in shape. A strong person, well, they're not afraid of anything. But a person of strength shows courage in the midst of their fear. A strong person won't let anyone get the best of them. But a person of strength gives the best of themselves to everyone. A strong person makes mistakes and avoids the same in the future. A person of strength realizes life's mistakes can also be God's blessings, and they capitalize on those. A strong person walks sure-footedly, but a person of strength knows that God will catch them should they fall. A strong person wears the look of confidence on their face, but a person of strength wears just God's grace. A strong person has faith that they are strong enough for the journey, but a person of strength has faith that it is in the journey that they will become strong. It's a very different perspective on strength. You see, I believe that God is wanting to raise up a powerful people. We were designed to walk in strength, to be powerful people. That's why Paul wrote these words in Ephesians chapter 3. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have, again, power together with all the saints to grasp how wide, how long, how high, and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know that this love surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. You see, God is interested in raising up a people of power, so much so that he's given us the power that we need. Power is supposed to be strength on display. The question is, how do we become powerful people, though? And that's what is promised. And with that promise, I believe, comes a way into the promise, into becoming powerful people. So listen to our our passage this morning. It comes out of Psalms 84, Verses 5 through 7. I'm going to read in the NIV. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, who have set their hearts on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they will make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. It's just three short verses. But each one gives us a pathway into this promise of strength, of power. 
before I go and, and break all this down and show you what God has promised us, let's, let's go to him in prayer. Heavenly Father, I just want to come before you this morning. Holy Spirit, I'd ask that you would guide and superintend the words that come out of my mouth because I know I really don't have a thought of my own that's worth speaking, but you have got great things to teach us. So Holy Spirit, take the word of God and let it speak to our hearts, just like we sang, word of God speak, and let it become real to us so that we walk out of this place different people than we walked in, more powerful people, people of strength, because we've understood and taken that promise to heart, and it's begun to change who we are. In Jesus' name, amen. Blessed are those whose strength is in you. You have set their hearts on pilgrimage. There's, there's a couple of things I see here, at least three things that I see here. The first is about your own heart. Blessed are those whose strength is in you. Blessed. That word blessed in Hebrew is esher, and it literally means happy. You can look it up. It means happily. In fact, it means amazingly, ridiculously happy. So you read that verse again, and instead of blessed are those whose strength it is in you, it reads, ridiculously happy are those whose strength is in you. Amazingly happy are those whose strength is in you. Who here would like to be amazingly happy? No dissenters. Hey, that's pretty good. All right. Do you know why you are so often not amazingly happy? You are not pressed in to his strength. You're leaning on your own. You know, that's, that's when my happiness takes a hiatus and trips out somewhere that I can't find it because I am leaning in my own strength. I am depending on my own knowledge, my own heart, my own abilities. And man, I can get frustrated in a heartbeat and there goes my happiness right out the door. I, I cease to be amazingly happy. I'm not even close to happy because I'm leaning in my own strength. When your strength ends, happiness disappears. That's true. Think about it. When you get to the end of your resources, when your strength ends, are you happy about it? Hmm. When your happiness disappears, take a look at who you're leaning on. It's a pretty safe bet that you're leaning on someone other than God. I think it's pretty safe to say that depression is the opposite of happiness, right? Depression is defined as sadness, a state of unhappiness and hopelessness. It's a psychiatric disorder showing symptoms such as persistent feelings of hopelessness, dejection, poor concentration, lack of energy, inability to sleep, and sometimes even suicidal thoughts. Now think about that for a moment. That's the definition of depression. Depression, the opposite of happiness, is about feeling hopelessness. All of your hope has gone out the window. Do you know one of the clinical cures for depression is helping other people? Getting your eyes off of your problems, the psychiatrist, you go to a psychiatrist for depression. It's one of the things they, they should be telling you. Get your eyes off your own problems and start helping other people with their problems if you want to get lifted out of your depression. Even the world recognizes that it's about focus. It's about where you're looking. 
If your focus is inward, you will remain depressed and unhappy. And God is saying, amazingly happy are those whose strength is in me. See, that's the second thing that I see here. The foundation of our strength is spelled out really clearly. Blessed are those whose strength is in you. We are not called to raise ourselves up in our own strength, to pull ourselves up by the bootstraps, just the opposite. I love the promise of strength that comes out of Isaiah chapter 40. It's been one of my favorite verses my whole life long. He gives strength to the weary. He increases power of the weak. Do you get that? Two things right there that we're talking about. He gives strength to the weary. He increases power of the weak. Even youths will grow tired and weary. Young men will stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings as eagles. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. It clearly says that he gives strength. He increases power to the weak. We are not the source. We are the recipients. Get that? We are not the source. We are the recipients. But look how that passage ends. They'll soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. Let me take you back to our verse for this morning. Blessed are those whose strength is in you who have set their hearts on what? Pilgrimage. You see the connection between those two verses? They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. Blessed are those who strengthen you. They have set their hearts on what? Pilgrimage, moving, okay, going somewhere. We were meant to soar. We were meant to run and to walk. It's about movement. It's about a journey. More correctly, it's about what the Bible calls a pilgrimage. This is literally the how-to for God's strength. You want to know how to get God's strength. This is the how-to. God doesn't just say, be amazingly happy, because that's how you'll get strength. He actually tells us how to accomplish what he wants. It's for those who have set their hearts on pilgrimage. Now, know this. The point of pilgrimage is encounter. The point of pilgrimage is encounter. The point of a journey is destination. When I go on a journey, I'm going to do what? I'm going somewhere. I'm going to get somewhere, right? That's the point of a journey. But the point of a pilgrimage is actually encounter. When the people of Israel would go on a pilgrimage to the great city of Jerusalem, they went to encounter God. It wasn't about the destination. It was about the person. A pilgrimage is about encounter It is not just about a destination. A journey will get you to a place, but a pilgrimage will get you to a person. So to be amazingly happy is to draw my strength from God, and I do that by making God the focus of my pilgrimage, of my life's journey, so to speak. You want strength? Make God your life's goal. Make encountering God your life's goal. Actually, it might be more accurate to say, make encountering God everything. Make encountering God everything. Because as your intimacy with God grows, so will your strength. It really is that simple. 
God is the source. So what makes better sense, right? What makes better sense? If God is the source, then I want to go to God, right? And a pilgrimage is about encountering the person of God. If we want strength, that's what we have to do. And there's always attached to a promise like this, not just the solution, but there's attached to it a purpose for God's strength in our lives as well. That purpose is for us to enjoy the changing of atmospheres and to allow that to affect the lives of other people as well. That's really kind of the the second point, the second verse here of our passage. It's about changing atmospheres. The atmosphere of this world, folks, is pretty clear. In the garden, we gave over rule of this world to the enemy, to Satan. The Bible calls Satan the prince of the air. In Ephesians 2, 1, he says, and you, and, and you he made alive, talking about us, who were dead in your trespasses and sin, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. In other words, when you were dead before Christ quickened your spirit and brought you into life, you belonged to this world. And this world is under the control of the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. That ruling force over the world sets the atmosphere for this world. But we were raised up to be powerful people who change atmospheres. Look at verse 6 of our passage, the second part of our passage here, the second verse of it. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. This is an interesting verse. The valley of Baca, also called Boken in Judges, was the only passageway into the hills where Israel's cities of refuge were located. Now, a city of refuge was a place where somebody who had done something that was punishable by death, okay, whether it was accident or on purpose, okay, you could go to a city of refuge and find refuge there. In other words, your life would be spared. It was like, um, it was like going and being an outcast because it wasn't a place everybody wanted to be. You, you would lose contact with your family and everything else, but at least you would spare your life. It was kind of like life imprisonment, a, a sort of, of life imprisonment rather than, than uh, capital punishment. Some scholars state that the Valley of Baca was also representative of the valley that led up to the city of Jerusalem where the temple of God was found. So on a pilgrimage, journeying to Jerusalem, they would have to go through the Valley of Baca. A weary traveler searching for safety from those that were pursuing him because of, well, an accidental death or some inadvertent sin he had committed would have to travel through this valley to find refuge, to find safety, to find a city of refuge. And a pilgrim traveling Jerusalem would have to go through this valley to encounter God. The valley of Baca was part of, of, of the desert. The valley was filled with thorns and wild animals and pitfalls and vipers and just all sorts of dangers. In addition, there were wells of water in the valley of Baca, but they were really far apart and they were hard to find. It was nearly impossible to travel through this valley without facing extreme hardship and suffering. Hence, the name Valley of Baca actually literally means Valley of Tears. That's what it was named, the Valley of Tears, the Valley of Mourning or Death even. This is the atmosphere, folks, that the enemy has created in our world. 
the valley of tears, a place of mourning. It is the exact opposite of God's atmosphere, which is life and health and joy and peace. We live in the valley of Baca. We travel through the valley of Baca. Now, sometimes we don't really realize that because things aren't all that hard. But every time that you encounter a hardship in your life, you're in the midst of the valley of Baca. David said it this way in a shepherd's psalm, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It's those places of hurt, those places of discouragement, pain, illness, loss. Those are desert places, and they are part of everyone's, everyone's pilgrimage of life. It's not a mistake that God tells us that the joy of the Lord is our strength. The promise of God's strength applied to our lives is his joy. Now, I've said this before, but it bears repeating. I think it bears repeating many, many times. So forgive me if you've heard it before, but you need to hear it again. This verse from Nehemiah chapter 8, the joy of the Lord is our strength, was spoken over the people of Israel after they had heard the law read to them. Now, get a picture of this. Jerusalem was in shambles. The temple had been destroyed. People had been exiled into Babylon, and it had been decades like this. Jerusalem was just a wasted city, but people still lived there because it was the city of God, even though the temple was destroyed. But God raised up a prophet by the name of Ezra, and then he raised up a leader by the name of Nehemiah, and together, Ezra and Nehemiah rebuilt the city. Ezra was responsible for rebuilding the temple. Nehemiah was responsible for restoring the city by rebuilding its fortifications. They rebuilt the wall around Jerusalem. And then Ezra and Nehemiah called the people together. And for the first time in decades, the law of God was read to the people. And they began to weep. This is the context that Nehemiah speaks these words. This is the, the, the great celebration. Jerusalem is restored. God has returned. The word of God has returned. Word of God, speak. Let it pour down like rain. They understand perhaps for the first time the depth of God's heart for them because it's been so long. And they also understand how far they've journeyed from God during those years of exile. And their response is to break down in tears. Listen to Nehemiah's words. They read from the book of the law of God, making it clear and giving the meaning so that the people could understand what was being read. Then Nehemiah, the governor, Ezra, the priest and scribe, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to all of them, this day is sacred to our Lord God. Do not mourn. Do not weep. For all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. And Nehemiah said, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is sacred to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. You get the context? Their response was weeping, but Nehemiah's response was just the opposite. 
Go eat, have a party, share with one another. This is a great day, a sacred day, a celebration day. Don't grieve, don't weep. Why? Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. Nehemiah understood God's view of his chosen people, his never-ending love for them, no matter how far they went astray. Folks, our strength comes from understanding God's heart towards us. It is his joy over us. The joy of the Lord, his joy, is our strength. When we understand his joy over us, how he delights in us, that gives us strength. His delight in his children is supposed to give us strength to stand against anything, even when we were walking through the valley of tears. But it's so much more than just standing against the schemes of the enemy as we walk through this life. It's actually strength to change the atmosphere where we walk. And I think this is the coolest part of the whole thing. You can't miss this. You really need to understand because this is something that you need to apply to your life every day. Verse 6 says, as they pass through the valley of Baca, that's the pilgrimage they're on, okay, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. Listen, folks, it's the exact opposite of a desert atmosphere. The valley of Baca is a dry place. But he says, as we pass through, as we journey through, as we pilgrimage to God, encountering God, we change the desert to a place of springs. It's, it's something like what Isaiah talked about in Isaiah 35. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams. Streams in the desert. The burning sand will become a pool. The thirsty ground, bubbling springs. In the haunts where the jackals once lay, grass and reeds and papyrus will grow, and a highway will be there, and it will be called the way of holiness. Listen, folks, this is about changing the atmospheres. The promise of strength isn't just about making you feel or seem powerful, although it will do that. It's about a journey. It's about a pilgrimage we sometimes call life. Lived in the reality of who you are in Christ, a powerful person who not only engages the enemy, but completely defeats his desire for your life and for the life of the people around you that you touch in the name of Jesus. We experienced a little of that yesterday as we did another treasure hunt. I had a, I had a blast, I have to admit. It was a lot of fun. I was struck by how just praying for people and showing them that God cared enough about them to give us clues to find them touched their lives. Most of the people we were blessed to pray for yesterday walked away in tears, knowing that God loved them. We helped to change the atmosphere that they traveled in. At the same time, it did the same for us. After my group's first encounter with a woman that just could not get over the fact that God had told us about her back pain, that we, he would actually single her out, she just kept saying, how did you know this? How did you know this? She was just totally blown away. After that encounter with her, 
we couldn't wait to encounter somebody else. Man, we went from that barbecue, because barbecue was part of the clue kind of thing. We went from that barbecue right into the grocery store that was next, because there was a grocery store clue as well, looking for somebody with pink sandals or pink flip-flops, because that was a clue. And then we had so much fun encountering person after person. It started out with a little bit of intrepidation. We started out a little bit fearful, but fear is the enemy's atmosphere. But by walking in faith and doing what we were called to do, our journey turned our own fear into anticipation of what God would do as we touched the lives of people, as we prayed for people. Not everybody was receptive. I had, I had red stripes. I looked all the time for somebody wearing red stripes. Finally, we're in the Home Depot, and a man walks down the aisle, and he's got gray sweatpants on with two red stripes down the side. And I went, we need to pray for you. And he said, no. <laughs> I don't have time, even for this conversation. Okay. I'm still looking for somebody wearing red stripes, by the way. So, the point is this. Even though we might have started in the enemy's atmosphere, we, by faith, knowing God had called us, began to change that atmosphere. And we changed it not just for ourselves, but for every life that we touched. And like I said, nearly every person walked away with tears in their eyes because they knew that God loved them. He'd send these crazy, weird people to pray for them. And we knew what they needed to be prayed for, too. I think we had found people that matched uh, all but just a few of our clues on our treasure map. I was really wanting to find that person with red stripes, and maybe I will. Maybe that person will show up tomorrow. The point is this. We have this amazing opportunity to walk through the valley of Baca, this fallen world that we live in, and literally change the atmosphere that the enemy has created. We have the opportunity to touch people with the love of God, to let them know how much he delights in them, and to bring the reality of that love into their lives, therefore changing the atmosphere that they walk in. But I also like the second part of that middle verse because I think, you know, when I was looking at this yesterday, it, it just struck me. There's more to this than just changing the atmosphere. That, that verse, verse 6 says, as they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. That's like changing the atmosphere, right? But then it goes on to say this, the autumn rains also cover it with pools. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. That's about changing the nature of the atmosphere, to change the atmosphere, folks, is to bring the opposite of what the enemy is doing into reality. That's changing the atmosphere. If I walk into a place of contention, the promise says that I can bring peace into that place and change that place. If I walk into a place of worry, I can bring faith that moves mountains. That's changing the atmosphere. You kind of get the idea, right? It's walking the opposite atmosphere in such a way that the negative atmosphere that you encounter is changed by your presence because you're bringing the power of God with you into that place. That is strength. But there's more. I feel like a commercial, but there's more. Not only do we change the atmosphere, we get to change the season as well. The autumn rains also cover with pools. What's the difference between changing an atmosphere and changing the season? To change an atmosphere means that wherever you go, strength goes with you to turn the atmosphere around into something that is God-honoring. 
to change the season is to affect the very nature of the desert itself. You see, deserts are by nature very dry places, right? I grew up in Tucson, Arizona. I can tell you that deserts are dry places. I love the desert, but it is definitely a dry place. We had one rainy season all year long, oddly enough, in August, which is really strange, and it rained warm rain. It would rain so hard that the desert couldn't handle the water, and the result was always flash flooding. Somebody always died in Tucson every summer in flash flooding because they would try to cross the big channels that, that guided the water off the desert runoff, and they'd, they'd die in a flash flood. Folks, the fact that we had flash floods means that the desert not only is a dry place, it's actually fairly rain-resistant. When the rains did come, it couldn't absorb it fast enough. The soil doesn't absorb water very well. When we change a season, it's more than just a temporary change of atmosphere that leaves when we do. Changing the season means that the soil we leave behind has been changed into something that is more receptive to what God wants to pour out on it. Every person that we prayed for yesterday in our treasure hunt, had their atmosphere changed, but they also got their soil tilled. Think about that. God proved to them specifically that he loved them by sending us with weird, strange clues like pink flip-flops, you know? And the lady we encountered with pink flip-flops, we got to pray for her. She says, I wasn't going to wear these today, but then I decided, oh, what the heck? (laughs) Well, that's why we found you. God knew you were going to wear those, and he knew we'd be looking for you. And he knew to send us to the grocery cereal aisle to find her. It was just so cool. Changing the season is about plowing the soil to make it more receptive to what God is going to do. Changing the season is changing the very nature of the hearts that we encounter Making a desert place into a place that's covered with pools of water is what it says we have the opportunity to not only be atmosphere changers in the moment, but to change the soil of people's hearts literally forever by touching them with the love of God. He has given us the promise of strength to do that. I don't know about you. I wouldn't go on a treasure hunt in my own strength. It's just too scary. It's too weird. You know, if you're going to go out there and look like a fool, I want to be a strong one fool, you know? This is the strength that God promises us as we journey with him. Blessed are those whose strength is in the Lord. But it's more than just that. There's also the promise of moving from strength to strength in the last verse. Verse 7, they go from strength to strength until each appears before God in Zion. To go from strength to strength, people, is an interesting statement. It can mean at least two things. First, It may mean that as you journey, you carry strength from this place to the next place, and so on, and so on. In other words, wherever you go, strength happens. Strength goes with you. In other words, you go from changing the atmosphere in this moment to the next place and changing the atmosphere in that place as well. This makes sense in that we will encounter hard things all along our pilgrimage. This crazy world is going to give us a lot of opportunities to walk in the opposite spirit and to change atmospheres. 
Jesus made it pretty clear in John 16, these things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. It's not that you may have opportunities to change the atmosphere, folks. You will have opportunities to change the atmosphere in your life and in the lives of the people you, can, you encounter. Count on it. It's going to happen. But I think that there is more to going from strength to strength than just going from this atmosphere to that atmosphere to that atmosphere, changing them as you go. It's a promise that's more than just continued opportunities to demonstrate walking in the opposite spirit. To go from strength to strength also implies an increase in strength. I go from strength to more strength to more strength. That's what's implied. Every atmosphere that changes gives us a deeper faith to change the next one, no matter what that one looks like. Every encounter with the enemy's plans that we defeat makes us more confident that he who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. Listen, far too many Christians, and I hope you don't count yourself among these, but far too many Christians are taking laps around Mount Sinai instead of crossing over into the promised land. You're doing the same thing over and over again. You're walking, but you're not getting anywhere. The same issues that tripped you up a year ago are tripping you up today. How many of you know that no matter where you go, there you are? <laughs> if you don't grow past an issue in your life, you will find yourself facing that issue over and over and over again until you get it. It's like some of us just, it just doesn't occur to us. No matter how many times God has provided, when our resources dried up, we just can't seem to get the faith for the financial challenge that we face today. You see it all the time. We go into panic mode over the strangest things. And, and do we not realize that God already provided before? And if he provided before, should that not have provided strength for us to believe that he'll provide again? Of course it should. We should go from strength to strength to strength. The atmosphere of worry that the enemy loves to create gets the upper hand. Why is that? Listen, if I go to the gym and I work out three days a week, I expect that over time, stronger, right? I expect to get more strength. It's not easy. Don't get me wrong, it's not easy. I'm going to have sore muscles. I'm going to have some pain to deal with, right? If I run from the pain, I will not grow in strength. I'll bail over and over again. I will wager you, I'm not a betting man, but I'm, I'm pretty confident of this, I will wager you that at least 50%, if not more, of the people who buy gym memberships Go for a week or two, and you never see them again. They pay for a year in advance, and they never use it. Uh, you're laughing because you might have done it before, huh? Yeah, uh-huh. No. If we bail, okay, and then we decide to go back next month and try again, and we try for two days, and we're sore, and we bail again because we can't stand the pain, we never go from strength to strength. It doesn't, doesn't get us stronger, does it? But if we embrace the momentary pain, then we get past it and we begin to grow in strength. Folks, 
Faith is about history, and history is his story in our lives. Faith-like strength is meant to be increased, and our pilgrimage shouldn't be any different because it's a pilgrimage that is about a person. It is about encountering a person. Verse 7, they go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. You get that? They go from strength to strength till each appears. It's about encountering a person. Appears before God in Zion. Our pilgrimage is about encountering God. We go from strength to strength because we encounter the goodness of God every time we see the atmosphere change and we can believe him for more. And every atmosphere that has changed reveals more of his character towards us. Every time we encounter more of his character, we're invited into deeper intimacy with him. I like the way Eugene Peterson paraphrases our our little passage that we're reading out of the NIV this morning. Psalm 84 in the Message Bible says this, and how blessed all those in whom you live, those lives become roads that you travel. They wind through lonesome valleys, come upon brooks, discover cool springs and pools brimming with rain. Listen, verse seven, God traveled these roads, curve up the mountain, and at the last turn, Zion, God in full view. I love that. Zion, Zion, that the destination is God in full view. Isn't that cool? It's about encountering God in full view. Traditionally, we think of Zion as just a place. It's the city of God. In fact, most of the, the commentaries that, that, that I read on this verse talk about the idea that this is a future promise. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion, before God in heaven, okay, till you die. That's not really what it means. What it really means is God revealed. It's not about a future thing. It's about a thing we can encounter God right now. It is about a place of intimacy where he is our God and we are his people. A daily journey into his presence where the promise is strength upon strength upon strength. So let me ask you a question. Does anyone here want more strength? To move from strength to strength, to get stronger. You want that? If that's your goal, your desire, then you need to ask yourself a question. Where are you going? Or better yet, to whom are you going? You can travel around in circles and continue to be accosted by the same problems, or you can move in strength, strength that he has promised to provide. You can change the atmosphere where you walk You can change the season of your own life and the lives of the people around you by touching them with the love of God and by encountering God yourself. Because the more you know about him, the more intimate you get with him, the more the reality of the strength becomes your life. It becomes who you are. It's not just a promise anymore. It's who you become. The promise is real. The opportunity is there every day, all the time. And all you have to do is to go to the one who gives it. Encounter him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it's so easy to get up here sometimes, I think, and just 
spout words and concepts and tell stories. But Father, what it boils down to is none of that. It boils down to encountering you. And all those stories and all of the good examples and all of the the research, uh, that can go in one ear and out the other. If we will do just one thing, if we will encounter you, if we will turn our hearts towards you, you will be found. That's your promise. And when we find you, we go from strength to strength because we see you clearly. You are fully revealed. And in that revelation, we find your heart towards us. And I cannot be subdued when I know what you think about me. I cannot be turned by the enemy when I live in the promise of who you are for me. My strength goes from strength to strength because of who you are. So, Father, bend each one of our hearts this morning. Imprint this one on our brain and on our heart. We are on a pilgrimage, and a pilgrimage is about encounter. It's about encountering you, and we need to walk through this week in front of us, changing the atmosphere because we walk encountering you. We take you with us everywhere that we go. We live in your presence 24-7, 365, and it's not just a nice, warm, fuzzy feeling. It is power. It is strength that you bring to change atmospheres. In the name of Jesus, raise up a powerful people. Amen? Amen. Amen.